I feel the weightiness of this morning's message because it's going to get around to the concept of decision-making, which all of us do every day, and some of you have some big decisions coming up in your life right now. So perhaps you will feel the weightiness of it as well. So let's go ahead and pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Lord, we make a variety of decisions in life. Some of them are not so good. All of them, we need your wisdom. There are some people in here who have big decisions to make this week or before the end of the school year. Some of our decisions are concerning right and wrong, moral issues, some are not. I just ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning, that it would come alive, we would be changed, and that you would break through all the issues we have in our lives right now, the conflict we may have. Um, Some of us are distracted right now. Lord, please speak to us now. Awaken us. Help us to hear. In your name, Jesus, amen. Recently, a friend of mine who is far cooler than me introduced me uh, to the word YOLO. It's an acronym that means you only live once. You get it, right? YOLO, okay? So basically... This phrase has been mocked as the most annoying abbreviation ever. <laughs> and that, that may be true, and, and so you might want to text that somewhere today, YOLO, the most annoying abbreviation ever. But people at least know what you mean by it. So if you're going to say, I'm going to go skydiving, YOLO. <laughs> you only live once. I'm going to go out tonight partying, YOLO. You only live once. And I, and I, and I like, like the, the, the phrase kind of describes the concept of great risk, kind of like pushing it, like leaving nothing behind, going all out. And though it is kind of an annoying abbreviation, the, the concept is, is kind of there for most of humanity that we want to make the most of our lives. We want to take advantage of every opportunity and go all out. And in Christian terms, we want to go all out, take great risk in following Jesus Christ and give glory to God. However, I don't think just you and I knowing that life is short, that we only have one go through, one shot, one turn, and the brevity of life is going to be enough for me or you to go all out. This morning I was driving in listening to a Christian song on the radio that talked about the brevity of life and how it's short and then we're gone and that concept is in the Bible, but just knowing that life is short and you're going to die soon so you need to go out, I don't think that's enough. I think combined with this YOLO concept is that you need wisdom. Because if you don't have wisdom, you're going to go all out and take risks and do these great things, or at least try to, and it can lead you into great foolishness. It could lead you to doing very unwise things. So this morning what I'm going to try to do is take this brevity of life concept, go all out risk, combining it with the wisdom of God. And that's basically what we've been doing this whole time in the book of Proverbs, is going to God for his wisdom. Let's do that again. Turn to Proverbs 8. We're only going to be in Proverbs for probably a couple more months. We're in the introductory chapters, 1 through 9 right now, and chapter 8 is part of that introduction. 
And if you remember, it's a father instructing his son to walk in wisdom. And as he's instructing his young son, he's using these different techniques to teach wisdom. And last week, we had him telling his son to avoid the adulterous woman. And Andy Hudson gave a great message on that. If you want to go online, listen to that. Well, this week, he's also going to talk about another woman. And rather than avoiding this woman, he's going to say, pursue this woman. It's woman wisdom. And it's, it's going to be wisdom personified. It's kind of a, a, a poetic technique. And he's going to say, look, this woman, pursue her because she's going to pursue you. This woman's going to be so aggressive and coming after your heart. It may freak you out a bit. She may make you a little nervous. But just let her pursue you and embrace this woman wisdom. So I'm going to kind of give you these broad movements of where we're going. I'll put it up on the screen for you just so you can organize the text because we're going to study a whole chapter. So number one, the, the movement at first is that wisdom competes for your heart in verses 1 through 21. In verses 22 to 31, wisdom knows how stuff works. And then the end is the new YOLO. I'll explain that in a little while. But hey, I tell you what, this is going to be a great day. Like, when's the last time you studied a whole chapter of the Bible? Your answer is supposed to be last Sunday, okay? Great, we're going to do it again. Isn't it awesome? You just come here and you get to study more of the Bible, the whole chapter. So let's go for it. Try to pay attention. Here we go. Wisdom competes for your heart. Start with verse 1, chapter 8. Let's go. Does not wisdom call? Stop. Let's go back to our definition of wisdom. We gave this definition way back when, and we've been repeating it over and over again. Let me put it up for you. The definition of wisdom is this. Wisdom is the God-given competence to navigate through the details of life for the glory of God. For those of you who don't like definitions, you'd rather have pictures. We actually have symbols for this definition. It goes like this. Wisdom comes from God, comes down to us, where we navigate the details of life for the glory of God. Get it? Wisdom comes from God to us. We navigate the details of life for the glory of God. That's the wisdom we're getting at here. And the wisdom personified here is this woman who is pursuing you. Basically, it's God pursuing you with his wisdom. But it's personified here as this woman wisdom. Keep going. Verse 1 again. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals she cries aloud. So this wisdom here is not stuck at the university, where only those who go to college or school can actually grasp it, but this is wisdom for those who take the train into work. This is wisdom for those who stare at a computer screen all day. This is wisdom with parents who are overwhelmed with their children. This is wisdom for the children who are overwhelmed with their parents. This is wisdom for everyone in the daily grind of life. And it's a wisdom that is trying to compete for our hearts and grab us and shake us. You see, too many times we get in the Word on Sunday morning and we go, okay, this is good biblical truth for Sunday, but when I hit Monday, I'm going to adopt a whole different set of rules to live by, and then I'll do that all week, and when I come back the next Sunday, I'll pick up the Bible again and go, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But someone has once said that when you just put the Bible in your heart on Sunday and diss it the rest of the week, you've turned Jesus into Jesus Jr., Yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus Jr. all week. 
I'm going to be the one who's going to be control and adopt my set of rules. But wisdom is saying, no, no, no. I'm not at the university. I'm just not for Sunday. I'm in the daily grind of life. Every single day when you're dealing with stuff, I have wisdom for you. All right? Keep going. Look at verse 4. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. So here we go. Wisdom's trying to lure them in with God's fulfilling vision. She's calling. She's crying out. This is God keeps coming to us to embrace a better vision for our lives. And he used the terminology of fools or simple ones. And hopefully most of you in here are not fools. You're not in open rebellion against God. But a lot of us from time to time fall into the category of the simple ones. And what is a simple one according to Proverbs? Well, a simple one is simply one who is not committed You're kind of committed to God. You're kind of not. Some days you're on. Some days you're off. And so perhaps you are a simple one, and you struggle with your commitment to God. Intellectually, you agree that God has a better plan for your life than you do, but there's often this struggle to go in an opposite direction. And this is what I'm really going to talk about this morning, so I hope you're listening now. This struggle to follow God's wisdom rather than your wisdom plays out most of the time in your decisions the decisions that you make. You have a choice. I'm going to follow God's wisdom or I'm going to follow my wisdom. All of us have that. And most of you are here today and the person that you are today and in the situation that you're in today because of the situations that have come up that you had to make decisions. Your decision-making has put you and made you and created you often in what you are because you made decisions not dismissing the sovereignty of God or any of that. I'm just saying you make decisions in real time under the sovereignty of God. Some are good and some are not so good. And some of you have big decisions coming up that you need to decide this week, before the end of the school year, before the fall, whatever it is, you have big decisions and you're not quite sure what to do. Some of those decisions may be moral. Some will not be moral. Some will be totally neutral. Some could be positive. But you're making decisions all the time. And yes, I am concerned about the big decisions you make in life, but what I'm more concerned is about the daily decisions you make on an ongoing basis for the good or not so good, where you're constantly choosing, am I going to take God's wisdom or am I going to take my wisdom? And you're making these decisions all the time, every day. So the question is this. My brothers and sisters, will you trust the wisdom of God in your decisions? A better question is this. Can the wisdom of God be trusted in your decision-making process? Can God's wisdom be trusted? How do you know that you can trust God's wisdom over your wisdom? Let's take a little pause right now and just ask that question. Can God's wisdom be trusted? We're going to jump around in the text right now, and I'm going to show you something you may have not have seen before. It's kind of a big emphasis in Proverbs. It goes like this. You can trust God's wisdom and your decision because wisdom knows how stuff works. Wisdom knows how stuff works. Let's see that as we jump into a very important text starting in verse 22. 22 through 31, we're going to see how wisdom played a part in creation. 
And as an aside, these verses have been have promoted a huge doctrinal error in the past, saying that these verses refer to Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the wisdom of God, but no, these verses are not talking about Jesus. It's talking about God's personified wisdom, an attribute of God. So let's jump into verse 22. Wisdom knows how stuff works. Let's go. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. So personified wisdom here basically is saying that she was utilized in creation, that God's attribute of wisdom was active in the creation of the world. And since wisdom was there from the beginning then wisdom knows how life works. Do you get that? Since wisdom was there from the beginning, wisdom knows how life works. And if wisdom knows how life works back then at the creation of the world, wisdom knows how your life works. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the show or listened to the podca- podcast called How Stuff Works. Pretty fascinating, the, the topics they cover. Uh, they'll, they, they'll do a whole, whole show on like how magnets work, or a whole show on how the Panama Canal works, or how sleepwalking works. Well, in this text here, we are told that wisdom knows how stuff works, that wisdom knows how life works. Wisdom was part of God's grand design to make life work. And if God was using wisdom to pull off creation, then God will use wisdom to pull off your life. Let me show you a quote from this pastor named Ray Ortland as he speaks about wisdom. This is pretty cool. He talks of wisdom. He says that God, he wired wisdom into the cosmos as the inner logic of everything. Wisdom is the secret code to reality. And in the Bible, it is speaking to us so that it isn't a secret anymore. So God's wisdom is laid out for us in the Bible. And this wisdom has an eternal track record of his attribute that was needed to create the earth. It also knows how your life works. And so here's the question. Will you trust God's decision to pull off your life? Will you trust God's wisdom to help you make decisions in your life? And what I'm going to do with the remaining time that we have left is I think it's going to be uh, kind of interesting. And if you're in an ethos community, I'm not sure what you guys are discussing, I would encourage you to discuss this. If you're in an accountability group with someone else, I would encourage you to discuss this because it has to do with decision-making, and we're going to talk about it in ways that you've maybe never heard before. And we're going to talk about this tension that you feel 
whether you're going to choose God's wisdom or you're going to choose your own wisdom and making decisions. So this is the direction we're going to go. I'm going to put it up for you. We're going to look at these three areas of decision-making. The negative, the neutral, and the positive. I know those are not very classy categories, but they're, they're pretty much the categories that all of our decisions fall under. And we're going to be diving into the text as we look at these decision-making process. And the question is, will you just trust God's wisdom or your own in making your decisions for your life? So here we go. Let's start with the negative. All of us are faced with the temptations to make sinful decisions. Yeah? On a daily basis, we have the opportunity to sin. When you leave here right now, you have a choice to go sin. You can go make that decision. And wisdom, God's wisdom will say, here, there's a better way. And let's see that in the text. Look at verse 6. Stick with me here, verse 6. Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Jump down to verse 13, please. Verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Stop there. So what's going on here is that wisdom is saying, look, God's fulfilling vision for your life is right, it is true, and it is straight. If you fear the Lord, you realize he's God, you're not. You have an appropriate relationship with him through Jesus. You hate evil. You want no part of pride and arrogance being lodged in your heart. And so throughout your days, you'll have an option to go the straight path of the Lord, the non-arrogant, the humble path of the Lord, or you can follow your foolish, arrogant, proud heart into destruction. You have these options. And one of the ways this is going to play out with temptations. Today, you will be tempted to make a decision to sin. It will happen again tomorrow. It will not go away until you die. Your temptations are not sin unless you give in to them. And you will have that decision to make when it comes up. Will you go into sin or not? Or will you take the straight path of the Lord? Now, I want to have some fun with you this morning. It might not be fun. It may seem more like a counseling situation. It's going to be like this. I don't want to talk to you about your big decisions of sin. For those of you who decided recently to go commit adultery, obviously you need to repent of that. For those of you who decided this past week to go get drunk, you need to repent of that. I don't want to talk about these big decisions of sin. What I want to talk about is more prevalent for all of you because most of you did not commit adultery this week. Most of you did not go out and get drunk this week. Most of you did not commit huge sin this week that would totally derail you and get you fired or whatever, things that are huge, okay? But I'm going to tell you this. Probably all of you or most of you made small decisions this week that you may not even understand were decisions. You see, all of us, I think all of us, I think this is right. I think all of us struggle with small decisions that turn into patterns. And there's been books written about this called Generational Patterns of Sin 
that may have been passed down to you and they manifest in your life. And I want to call those decisions. So let's say that your parents displayed certain patterns. Maybe your mom was the anxious type and she was always full of anxiety and worry. And your dad was more the passive type. Just would not take initiative. Just kind of the passive type of guy. And then you show up on the scene. You grow up in that household. And look at you now. You kind of display some of those traits, right? You're kind of, maybe you're the anxious type. Maybe you're always worried about stuff. And, or, or maybe you're just such a passive person. You won't, you won't take the initiative. And these are patterns in your life. And this is what, don't throw anything at me because I think you'll get mad at me. But guess what? Those are decisions that you're making. Those are decisions. And it may not be worry and anxiety. It may not be passivity. You may have these patterns of being an irritable person or a cranky person. Any habitually cranky people in here? Maybe you are a lazy person or angry or sniping or cutting or maybe you're sarcastic or you're critical or you're just impatient or you're just talking all the time, you're just way too talkative, and then some of you are just way too silent, you're too, too isolated. And, and I just want to say to you, those are decisions, and they don't feel like decisions because they turned into patterns, and they're patterns that you do every single day, and they don't feel like decisions because you just do them automatically. But guess what? They're decisions that you're making every day to live like that. They really are decisions. You can't stand before God one day and you were an angry, cranky, critical, anxious, passive person and God just said, look at you and say, well, all that was passed down to you. It's not your fault at all. No, those are the decisions you're making that we're accountable for, right? And so the question I've been asking myself as a pastor over the past several months is this question. Can people change? And, and as a pastor, I need to have the right answer, and I need to be all spiritual, and I need to say, of course people can change. But the more pessimistic side of me says this, most people don't change. So the pastoral side of me says, of course, people change. And the other side of me says, most won't and I'm hoping and thinking that the answer is probably in the middle somewhere, that yes, by the power of God, there can be real change in your life to break these patterns. And the question is, how? Do you even care? Do you even want to change? Do you like your patterns of sin? Do you like calling them patterns instead of decisions? Do you want to change these decisions in your life? Or you want to just go ahead and pass them on down to your kids? Let them deal with it. Do you want to change the patterns? Well, then how? Well, the Bible says in our text, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. What does that mean? Well, God's God and you're not. And there's a lot we could say on decision making, but I I think the number one thing I want to say to you right now, if you want to start on a path of breaking these patterns and habits and decisions in your life, if you want to start, I think it comes down to this word. Humility. Do you own your sin yourself? Or is it other people's fault? 
Is it your mom's fault, your dad's fault, your husband's fault, your wife's fault, your kid's fault, your circumstances' fault, your job's fault, your boss's fault, or is it on you? If you start owning your patterns, your decisions of sin, and you say, you know what, it's me, and you humble yourself before the Lord and find gospel grace and comfort and forgiveness in Jesus, I believe real change can start to happen. But I am not confident that you will change until you humble yourself and start accepting God's straight, true, right path that's marked by the fear of the Lord. So there's the negative decisions you can make in life. I know you didn't want to talk about that, but we talked about it anyway. I encourage you to talk to someone else about that. I dare you to start bringing up the patterns that you have ingrained in your life that you call patterns that are really just decisions that you're making every day. Well, let's move on away from the negative decisions because that's very discouraging. Unless we look to the gospel of Jesus, let's move on to the next, and that's the neutral decisions in life, the neutral decisions. There are some decisions we make that are not filled with obvious moral issues. Some of you are trying to figure out what you're going to major in still. Some of you are trying to figure out what job you're going to take, uh, what Christian person you're going to marry, what biblical church to go to, what computer to buy, what apartment to rent. A lot of decisions you make in life are not moral decisions. They're neutral decisions. You need to decide one way or the other, and you can decide yes or no, which way to go, but they're neutral decisions. Should you move? Should you buy that car? What should you do? These are, these are, these are real decisions that could fall in the category of neutral. But get this. Even though something might not be immoral, it can still be unwise. Even though something might not be immoral, it can still be unwise. So, for example, if there is a guy, uh, I'm talking to ladies right now, if there's a, you're a single lady, if, if there's a guy in your life, Christian guy, cute Christian guy, godly Christian guy, who has been... Um, dating this girl, another girl, not you, for three years, and that was his girlfriend, um, and they, she, they broke up last week and after three years, and then this week, he's asking you out. Can you morally go out with him? Yes. Is it wise? Can you say rebound? I mean, it's not wise. So some things can be morally okay, right? But is it wise? Do you see what I'm saying? We have these neutral decisions where they're not a moral issues here, but they can still be unwise. We need the wisdom of God. Go back to the text. Look at verse 10. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Look at verse 14. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. Verse 18. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. All right, here we go. So wisdom is better than silver, gold, and jewels. The wisdom of God to navigate life is more valuable. His counsel, his insight are more valuable than the stuff of this earth. And you need that wisdom from God in these neutral decisions you have to make in life that might not fall into the moral category, that may be permissible, but might not be wise. So, for example, some of you right now, you can take your new job, but your gifts 
might not fit that job, so it wouldn't be a wise decision. You can go ahead and rent that apartment that's kind of way out here while your Christian community is here. You can do that, but it might not be wise. And families, you can sign up your kids for all the sports and art and craft activities you want, but it might not be wise because it would cut into family time. You see how we have these neutral decisions that we can make all the time, but don't assume that they are always wise. And so the question we were asking about six or seven months ago is the question we would still want to ask today. I'll put it up for you. It's this question. It's really difficult. Is it wise? Before you make your neutral decisions this week, ask that question. Ask God. God, what I'm about to do, is it wise? Go into the Word. God, give me some wisdom here. Go talk to your friends. I have a decision to make. I want to know, what do you think? Is it wise? We're not talking necessarily about what's moral or not moral here, but what is wise. We need God's wisdom. We need his truth. We need his spirit to guide us. So we've dealt with the negative decisions, the neutral decisions. Now let's move on to these positive decisions. And the way I'm framing this is that you and I have the ability to make decisions in our life that affect someone else positively, that benefit someone else Back to the text, verse 15. Buy me king's reign, and rulers decree what is just. Buy me princess rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Jump down to verse 20. Saw we're jumping so much. Verse 20. I walk in the way of righteousness. In the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. I don't know if you caught that, but all these terminology here, it it continues to mention this concept of justice. And just as a righteous king would rule during the time of Israel, he would need wisdom to make these just laws and sometimes help the oppressed and help the poor. So the same wisdom can be imparted to you. So the same wisdom the king can have to rule in Israel can be imparted to the person on the street for issues of righteousness, justice. All throughout Proverbs, we have Proverbs dealing with the way that you can help those being afflicted. You can help those being oppressed. You can help those who are poor. You can make positive decisions to impact other people who are hurting, suffering, facing injustice. You actually have the same ability, in some sense, and the same wisdom that a king would have to impact injustice and those who are being oppressed. One of the things that I've noticed in our culture, and I could be off, but one of the things I've noticed, and, and, I, and I think it's not all negative, and I'm not making these as negative comments, so don't think I'm, I'm, I'm hitting at anybody here, but one of the things I've noticed in our, in our, in our culture is that it's very prevalent among singles and even, it even couples, and, and it kind of is among families, is that people are really excited and they really have this sense where they want to go on a great adventure and they want to take great risk. I see it in our culture, outside of the church. People really want to go on a great adventure and they want to take great risk. So if you think about the vacation industry. The vacation industry is booming because people want to go on great adventures. This past week, I was reading a magazine. I saw this picture uh, of Thailand of people riding elephants. I want to go do that. That looks like a great adventure. If you've got to ride elephants sometime, 
great. Come tell me about it. But also, I find that people want to take great risk, like the 5Ks and the 10Ks, or people push their bodies, or the marathons, or the triathlons. That's just not enough. We want to push our bodies even further. And so there's a race called the Tough Mudder. I don't know if you've ever heard the Tough Mudder. But people run through fire now. They run through mud. Uh, At the end of the race, if you've ever been in the race... Is it near the finish line? There is electric wires hanging down that shock you. You should go on YouTube and watch it. It's hilarious. People are getting shocked all the time. Their face is falling in the mud, and, and they finally finish the race, and they're yeah, I almost died. And so I mean, it's like, we have, this, we have this adventure for this great risk. And, 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 I, and also, the, the, this example of this risk, you really can't see it in this picture, but I don't know if you even know what this is. But this past week, no joke, you can see this on the news as well. A guy jumped out of a helicopter in China. And it doesn't even look very risky here. But he glided from the helicopter through a hole in the mountain. And the hole looks huge here, but it's really small, especially if you watch it on TV. So he took this risk where he could have been splat like a bug. Because he, he's just a thrill seeker, a risk taker. And, and I see in our hearts, in the human art, heart, is that You want to be a person of adventure, and you want to be a person of risk. And that's why we're pushing it as a culture, pushing it as a society to keep moving out. And and I'm not saying that that's all a negative thing. But what I want to have is this concept of you only live once. Take that, that adventure and risk with you only live once, and combine it with wisdom. And what I think might start to happen is that rather than jumping out of helicopters and almost dying or going to get shocked and crawling through the mud and jumping over fire and things like that, you can still do that if you want to. But I, what I think is you start to combine that adventure and risk with wisdom, you'll see it turned into an ability to start to take that risk and adventure and make decisions for the kingdom. Where you'll see those being oppressed and the poor. And you go, man, i got to help them. And you'll start to do something about it. Where you'll see entire tribes of people who've never heard about Jesus. And you think, wow, I want to go to them. And you will take this adventure and the risk to bring the gospel. And so it doesn't have to be in all these great feats where we, 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 we pat ourselves on the back for these great, awesome risks and adventure. But, man, we can just step out and start to impact people for the kingdom. And I I love getting up here and telling stories of what people in our church are doing. A a woman in our our church is going to go this summer and and live in Africa in in an orphanage to serve the kids. And I I lived in an orphanage for two days, and I wanted to get out of there right away. Because it's a talk about adventure and risk of a variety of things. It's a a hard place to live. But this young woman's going to go and live in an orphanage and, and serve. And there are others who are taking risks with your time. You're inviting people who are oppressed to come and live with you. There are those of you who are risking your money uh, and sending it out there so the gospel can spread. And that, that's good. So let's take this, this adventure and risk that we want and let's, let's combine it with wisdom and make decisions that positively impact others. And so I want to finish up the last verses on the new YOLO. Here we go with the new YOLO. Here we go. Verses 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways your instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watching beside my doors. 
Whoever finds me finds life. There we go. You get that? He's telling his son, look, wait daily for wisdom. Watch at her doors. Wait at the gates. We would say daily get into the word. Let God speak to you through his word. Seek him in prayer for wisdom. Because what we want, we don't want to just say YOLO. We want to go and do these crazy things. We want to say, God, we want your wisdom to know what we're supposed to do in this short life. And I believe as you're in his word, in some sense, these opportunities will just come to your mind and heart where you can step out and live your life to the fullest. And so I want to be, I want to take this little, this little YOLO concept and kind of turn it around and make it God-centered. Can I do that? Can I make it God-centered? And so rather than saying us, let's point to God. And I want to say, you open life's opportunities. You open life's opportunities. That as we get into the word, we have these opportunities that spring to us where we can have real change, that we can make wise decisions, that we can strike out with faith and action on a daily basis. We have these opportunities to glorify the Lord. And that comes through getting in his word, fellowshipping with others, and spending time in prayer. You'd be amazed the opportunities that start to open to you as we walk with God. And I want to continue on with this new concept of yellow, uh, this new yellow. Look at verse 35 and 36, and we'll finish up. It says, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So if you find wisdom from the Lord, you have life. If not, you love death. And we're not just talking about life on this earth and death. We're talking about eternal life. There's this Christian rapper called Lecrae. He sings this song called No Regrets. And in that song, he deconstructs the phrase YOLO. It's very interesting. And what he says is that we don't live just once. We live twice. That after we die, we continue to live on. And he says this. Some of us are going to end up holy, and some of us are going to end up hot. There is life beyond this life, and some go to be with the Lord forever, and some are separated from him forever. And it's amazing that whether we're with the Lord forever or whether we're separated from him forever doesn't come down to you being a good person, to you being a nice person, to you going all out in this life. It's interesting that whether you're with Jesus forever and accepted by the Father or whether you're separated in hell forever from him really comes down, this is crazy, but it actually comes down to a decision, really does. The Bible, time and time again, is calling for a decision. And the decision is, will you make the decision to turn from your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ? He is the wisdom of God. He lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. He was crucified on the cross for your sins. He was buried and raised again. And he is the one that can prove a path right to the Father through faith alone. And that starts with a decision. Have you made the decision to repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ? And it's not just a one-time decision where we just make the decision, say a prayer, and move on. No, no. It's a daily decision where we continue to trust Christ for our salvation alone. We trust him and his work. We continue to make decisions without regrets that bring him glory. But a relationship with God starts with a decision. Have you made that decision? to turn from your sins and put your faith in 
Jesus Christ. So that not only you can live this life with no regrets, but you can live forever with the Father. Now, I know I've talked about a lot about decisions today, and so where am I going to leave you? I'm not going to leave you very complicated. I'm going to leave you with a passage of Scripture that has impacted my life, and I hope it will impact your life. I want to encourage you this week to memorize it. Put it up on your bathroom mirror. Put it on your phone. Put it on your screen. Put it wherever you can see it on a regular basis. Because if you want to continue to think about what we talked about today on making wise decisions with the short life that we have, here is a great passage I want to encourage you to memorize. It comes from the book of Ephesians. Let me put it up for you. It's the NIV version. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And since the days are evil, you can make decisions today and tomorrow for evil, for foolishness, the uncommitted one. Or you can take God's path of wisdom and make the most of the opportunities that you have to glorify God. I want to take this passage here and close this right now in prayer. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you administer to people's hearts right now and that they would be able to talk to you right now, that you would hear what they're saying. that I and my brothers and sisters here would be wise and be very careful how we live, not as the unwise ones, but as wise ones, not because anything special about us. It's because of your wisdom. And we make the most of the opportunities. And Lord, right now, the people in here, which is basically all of us, speak to us that what patterns need to be broken in our life, whether it's obsessively worrying, always trying to control, being angry, lazy, cranky, sarcastic or critical or impatient. What is that pattern that you want to see broken in our life and filled with the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? What is that pattern you want to break? And I just ask you to humble ourselves and repent. And Lord, for those who need to make big decisions this week or soon that fall into the neutral category and they're wondering if it's wise, I just ask that you would give them wisdom. Give them wisdom through someone else speaking truth to them. And may they not go down the path if it's just going to be a foolish decision that's going to hurt them in the long run. May they be wise. And Lord, please help us also make decisions that impact others positively. It may start small this week of encouraging people we know, praying for those we love, loving those who are difficult to love. Show us in faith, Lord, where we just step out and make a positive impact for your glory. Lord, we thank you that your wisdom is available to us and helps us make decisions that bring you praise in this short life that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.